This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Bat books, bat books, bat books. On Friday, I download the show. By Saturday, I find that I know. If I want to get the trade... I have Prime, so it's two days. By Monday, I'm reading away. Bad books. Bad books. Bad books. Bad books. For beginners. Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 197. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusader? Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. Thank you very much, Jerry. Wow, that was some great opening music. But I confess, I couldn't identify it. It sounded like a Christmas choir. What was that? Uh, yeah, that's a Benjamin Britten song. Um, it's a cuckoo. It's a takeoff on a, on a choir song. It's a little crazy, but I thought it would be something good for the holidays. Well, great job. And that was really inspired and seasonal. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Chris. Well, hello, Bat fans. Thank you very much for downloading and joining us today. Season's greetings and happy holidays. Mm-hmm. Batman, Whatever Happened to the Cake Crusader, was released as a couple of versions outside of the original source material. There is a full-color, 128-page hardcover edition that was released in 2009, and that was cover-priced at $24.99. Now, there's also a soft-cover edition that came out one year later in 2010 that was cover-priced at $14.99, both the hardcover and the softcover have gone through subsequent printings. This was also collected in the book The DC Universe by Neil Gaiman. This trade paperback reprints the two-part story that originally appeared in Batman number 686 that was cover dated April 2009 and cover priced at $3.99 and Detective Comics number 853 that was cover dated April 2009 and cover priced at $3.99 as well. If the prices of the trade seem a bit expensive for just two issues, I should also note that they reprint material from Secret Origins Volume 2, Number 36, Secret Origins Special Number 1, and Batman Black and White Number 2. For the interest of this podcast, though, however, in this episode, Jerry and I will just be covering the story Batman Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusader. If you wish to obtain this story in any format, all the versions seem to be affordable. The original comics are priced a little above cover price from online vendors, and the trades are just under cover price. 
At the time of this recording, this does appear to be available on Comixology for just $4.99. Now for our creative team, as per usual, I'll go off my memory, recollections, and online resources. Our writer is Neil Gaiman. Neil Richard McKinnon Gaiman, age 58, was born November 10th, 1960, in Porchester, Hampshire, England. Gaiman was a reader at a very early age, and some of his favorites as a child included Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, The Chronicles of Narnia, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and Batman comics. As a young adult, he was a journalist, but while waiting for a train in 1984, he noticed a Swamp Thing comic book written by Alan Moore, and it wanted him leaving Moore. After forming a friendship with comic book writer Alan Moore, Gaiman started writing comic books, picking up Miracle Man after Moore finished his run on the series. Gaiman and artist Mark Buckingham collaborated on several issues of the series before its publisher, Eclipse Comics, collapsed, leaving the series unfinished. His first comic strips were four short Future Shocks stories from 2000 AD, and that title from 1986 to 1987. He wrote three graphic novels with a favorite collaborator and longtime friend Dave McKean, Violent Cases, Signal to Noise, and the tragical comedy or comical tragedy of Mr. Punch. Impressed with his work, DC Comics hired him in February 1987, and he wrote the limited series Black Orchid. Now, this would be where I first encountered Neil Gaiman's work. Karen Berger, who later became the head of DC Comics Vertigo, read Black Orchid and offered Neil Gaiman a job to rewrite an old character, the Sandman, but to put his own spin on him. Well, Sandman, of course, would go on to achieve critical acclaim on many levels, and from here, Gaiman's career took off, and he's gone on to write not just comics, but novels and screenplays, and he's won numerous awards. Too many to list here, and he's written also too many things to list here, but I will mention Neverwhere and American Gods, which has been adapted to cable TV. And he also appeared on The Big Bang Theory this season as well. Gaiman lives near Menominee, Wisconsin. Now, that's an area I've been to and I'm somewhat familiar with. And he's also been said to have been there since 1992. He also has a residence in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and he has four children. And I have to say this, on a personal note, I've met Neil Gaiman twice over the past oh. 18 years. And it's so cool <laughs> to get to see him. And you'd be hard-pressed to meet a kinder person at such oh. an event. And he's someone I can tell personally he's very appreciative of his fans. So if you get a chance to attend a book signing by Neil Gaiman, by all means, go for it. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Great. With respect to this story that we're covering here, Gaiman described the job as writing this as something he had to take part in. Quote, it's one of those things where they phoned me up and said, this is going to be happening with Batman. Would you like to write the last issue of Batman and the last issue of Detective Comics? <laughs> and when they make an offer like that, you say yes. Yeah. Gaiman asked artist Andy Kubert to make the artwork throughout the series represent various eras of notable artists that had worked on Batman before. Major names of, of mentioned by Kubert include Jerry Robinson, Carmine Infantino, Neil Adams, and of course Batman's co-creator Bob Kane. Like the story Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, the masterpiece by Alan Moore and Kurt Swan from the mid-80s that would serve as a, quote, what would the last Superman story be? This two-issue tale presents a, quote, final Batman story. The Batman presented in the story is not necessarily the one from the current DC Universe continuity, but rather an indeterminate amalgamation that pays homage to the entirety of the character's 70-year history. Now, for our artist, we have Andy Kubert, age 56, and he's the son of comics legend Joe Kubert. He is a graduate and an instructor of the second-year classes at the Kubert School, founded by his father, who also taught there. He teaches there now. Andy Kubert started his comics career as a letterer in DC Comics in 1980. 
His first credited artwork for the company was the story, quote, Old Soldiers Never Die, back in Sergeant Rock number 393, back on October 1894. He later drew Adam Strange and Batman vs. Predator in an intercompany crossover, and he's also known for his work at Marvel Comics, specifically the company's X-Men titles. This would probably be where I first encountered his work. He drew the first cover appearance of the character Gambit. Uh, He also contributed to the character Damian Wayne in Batman. He drew the wedding of Cyclops and Jean Grey back in X-Men number 30 back in 1994. And as of 2018, uh, Andy Cooper is collaborating with writer Scott Snyder on New Challengers, part of the Dark Metal Project. For this story on Amazon.com, this has a rating of 4 stars out of 5 based on 95 reviews. And over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 3.97 stars out of 5 based on over 16,000 ratings and 693 reviews. Uh Ha-ha. But will Jerry and I be generous like Santa or miserly like Scrooge with our ratings? You'll just have to stay tuned, dear listener. And with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry, who will soon give us the story synopsis. Thanks, Chris. So we're going to talk about the story after a few messages from some of our friends. Sawete. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters, and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I've been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Backroll Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his Backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Backroll Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. Welcome back. So here is the story of Whatever Happened to the Caped Crusader. Batman, in a voiceover sees a Gotham that he doesn't recognize. His companion, also unseen, tells him just to watch. They watch Catwoman drive up Crime Alley in a Catmobile. She goes into a bar where Joe Chill tends bar. Batman says to his companion that this is impossible because Joe Chill is dead. Catwoman goes into a room where he, Batman, is in a casket. It is his wake. She and Alfred talk, and the butler tells her that Batman thought very highly of her. Two-Face also attends the wake, as does Commissioner and Barbara Gordon, Riddler, Joker, Penguin, and a host of other good guys and villains. Selina tells her story of how Batman died. He caught her stealing some diamonds. Her costume included a big cat head on top of her own. In their struggle, the cat head fell off, and Batman saw her beauty. 
She escaped, and over time the two played cat and mouse, flirting, fighting, running, and chasing. Batman asks her to go straight. She says if she did, he would never pay attention to her. He asks her to be his partner, but she refuses and say they both could give up this life and get married. He refuses because Gotham has too much crime and he must stop it. Selina decides if she stops crime in Gotham, he can then marry her. She does a good job, but Batman doesn't agree with her techniques, which are pretty violent. They fight and don't see each other again for quite a while. She tries to go straight and opens a cat shop. One day Batman arrives, bloody from a bullet wound. He needs her help. Instead, she ties him up and lets him bleed out and die. And then she came to the wake. Then Alfred tells his story of how Batman died. He talks about his early days in the theater. When his father died, he took his place at, as the Wayne's butler. He took care of Bruce when his parents died. Bruce became Batman over time because of his obsession with Gotham crime. And when Bruce started going mad, Alfred decided to enlist his old theater buddies to make more interesting criminals for the Batman to fight. Riddler, Penguin, Scarecrow were all buddies, and Alfred himself was the Joker. This brought Bruce out of his shell, but Bruce finds Alfred's Joker costume and realizes it was all an act. But still, the Bat-Signal calls him. It turns out the actor playing Riddler went a little cuckoo and is threatening patrons of the Gotham Zoo. Batman goes and tells him to give up his gun, but Riddler shoots and kills Batman. The voiceover Batman asks his companion, who's female, what's happening, and if he's dead. She says, not yet, and he has to figure it out. Others also tell their stories of his different deaths. Batman was a true hero that saved people and inspired others to greatness. The spirit of Batman, the voiceover, goes into a basement and asks his companion if this is him dying and his brain shutting down. She says he isn't dead yet, but very close to it. His companion turns out to be his mother, Pearl's intact. She asks what he has learned from his funeral. He answers that he's learned that he never gives in and never gives up. He says that no matter how many lives he saves, he can never bring her and his father back to life. She remembers how happy he was when she would read him a storybook and how Bruce's relationship with his father was wonderful. And then they were killed. Bruce says goodnight to many of the things in his life. And then we see a baby being born and brought into the waiting arms of its mother, Mrs. Wayne, who names the baby Bruce. The end. So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for the story after these words from some of our friends. Beautiful as Aphrodite. Wise as Athena. Stronger than Hercules. Swifter than Mercury. Explore the 75-year history of the Amazon princess with Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, a monthly podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at wonderwomanwarriorforpeace.wordpress.com. Welcome back. Okay, Chris, what'd you think? Jerry, sometimes it's really cool to sort of judge a book by its cover. And when I say that, <laughs> when you see the creative team attached to what you're going to read, I think it's a safe bet. You probably know you're going to be in for a treat, and mm -hmm. it's going to be a satisfactory to something above satisfactory in this case. Mm -hmm. Neil Gaiman, unquestionably, is a talented writer, and Andy Kubert is a great, great artist. Sure. 
one of the treats for being on Bat Books for Beginners is re-examining something years after it's gone by. Mm-hmm. And when this initially came out, I, I was so looking forward to this. And I have to confess, I really didn't care for the story. Hmm. Uh, I th- thought it was confusing in places. I thought the artwork was very good, but I just didn't click with me for some reason. And I thought about it, and one of the things that I came to the conclusion was the compare, me comparing it to the Alan Moore, Kurt Swan story, uh, Superman, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, which uh, mm-hmm. was initially uh, published back in, uh, I think, 1986. And I th- that was just an emotional gut punch for me. It, yeah. I just thought it was such a masterfully woven tale that incorporated uh, classic elements of the Silver Age, yet it had heart, and it had a modern, updated take on all of these classic characters. It was told in sort of a puzzle where you didn't know who Lois's companion was at this time, and we sort of had a mystery there, which was sort of revealed in the last panel. And we had a nice reveal here in this story, seeing that uh, the woman that Bruce is talking to turns out to be the mother. I really love Superman, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, and I held it in such such esteem. I I dare say it's probably my all-time favorite comic book story, irregardless of the character. Mm-hmm. And I was comparing whatever happened to the Cape Crusader to whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. And I think I held it up to such a high bar it was impossible for Neil Gaiman or any talent to compare you know, compare it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading this now and, and just seeing the joy of, of the conversation between Bruce and his mother and seeing mm-hmm. her telling him you, you've, got, you've done things that nobody able has had a chance to do. You got to be Batman. Mm-hmm. That really crystallized and hit home with the story. The artwork is masterful, and I think those are some of the details we'll get to later as we pick apart some of the little details of the story. But I am so glad I reread this, and mm-hmm. my opinion has elevated quite a bit since that initial reading, and I am so glad I got to revisit this story. And it, I thought there was such a joy with, with some of this in some so many places, and there were things I caught the second time around. Jerry, I'm curious to hear what you think. So I, I, first thing is I really enjoyed seeing all of the various characters from all of the different eras of, um, kind of bat history. You know, even we see even Harley Quinn here, uh, Mad Hatter, uh, Renee Montoya as the question, Poison Ivy, Kirk Langstrom and Selena. They even give a shout out to, um, her name is Sadie Kalowski, which is an, an old kind of <laughs> shout out to the olden days of, of, uh, bat history. And she first fights with a cat head. Which is that hadn't been around for a very long time. Yeah, pure. Yeah, just just to see that look and just the parting of the hair, just yeah. the look, the feel, and the vibe was just really, really gorgeous. The way it, Cooper rendered it really was. Um, I, you know, I found it a little confusing at first. With um, you know, uh, Selena gives her story about how she you know tied up and Batman dies, and then Alfred tells a different story. And um, I'm like, you know, as Alfred's telling his story, it's like, why is he telling everyone that Bruce is Batman? You know, <laughs> all of these villains are here. And, you know, and I think that's when you, it starts to real, uh, dawn on the reader that this is a fantasy story. This isn't, you know, a, a strict plot. You know, A happens, then B happens, then C happens because of it. This is um, very abstract. This is almost like an impressionistic painting rather than something, you know, um, illustratively rendered. 
Um, and once or if you're able to get into that vibe, into that swing of things, then this is going to be a strong story. At least it was for me. I really liked how, um, you know, there were, there were a series of different stories and one of them, even, um, Harvey Bullock gave up and gave a short story. And he said he was talking about, um, you know, he, he was dealing with Batman and trying to save a baby. And he, Harvey got the baby, Batman gave it to him and swam and swam and swam to save the baby through terrible currents. And he was asked, why did you keep going? How are you able to keep going? And Harvey says, I was able to keep going because Batman was able to keep going. He's an inspiring figure that makes people better. And this kind of thing is what gives me chills about Batman and these kinds of characters that, you know, not only are they brave, but they also inspire people to be better. And I think they really nailed it in um, in this story. There were a lot of appearances that took me a little bit by surprise. You know, uh, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, the cast with uh, Remini Matoya, I think we saw the, the question popping in there. And yep. the, the Superman appearance was really, really good yeah. as well. Yeah, he did. And Superman makes a comment that, you know, he, he mentioned that, well, you're doing all this fighting of crime. You know, is it really helping? Is, is crime really going down? And Batman says it doesn't matter because while the criminals are fighting him, they're not hurting Gothamites. <laughs> and I thought that was very, you know, exposed his character. One of the things I thought they nailed right out of the park, I got to give uh, props to uh, Gaiman's writing and Kubert there. You, you see the uh, building rooftops and one of them mm. is the, the uh, like a giant prop typewriter, which is evocative of the Dick <laughs> Sprang thing. And then behind it, you can see a sign that part, partially says finger, not to uh, Bill Finger. And I thought that was very, yeah. very classic. And this story was sprinkled without a lot of classic uh, panels, uh, cover reproductions, uh, with, with, especially with the, uh, Joker bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I recognize one from the golden age with like a sort of a Joker, uh, gyro, uh, one with like a uh, thousand and one Arabian nights cover. Mm-hmm. There was one from the mid sixties where he had, uh, the character gaggy as a sidekick. And the one in the, uh, bottom right, I had a little problem identifying. I don't know if that was Batman from the eighties for the cover mm. with the birthday cake. I just wasn't sure what that one was, but I'll have to try to scope that one out. But if anyone can identify that, <laughs> let me know at BTO and Bat Books on Twitter. I'll be curious to see all the little uh, Easter eggs that were sprinkled throughout the story. I thought that was a really, really great touch. Yeah, there's there's a mix of old and new art. There's different versions of characters. Um, you know, we see a lot of historical shout outs, Batman's, uh, back being broken, you know, just all the different, um, things from bat history. And I think it's kind of interesting if you think about it in terms of when the story came out, right? Batman is quote unquote missing, right? And we've been talking about that in previous shows that, you know, everybody thinks he's dead. And, uh, you know, you have a story here of Batman being dead. So, you know, at the time, this is an interesting story to have to appear in this time and continuity. And even if this is kind of an Elseworlds story, right, this is out of continuity. It's interesting because, you know, probably Batman won't die of old age in his bed, right? He's probably going to die fighting crime. And a story like this is completely appropriate because even if he doesn't die 
here and now in continuity. Someday he will. And someday this kind of, um, he'll have this kind of experience. And, you know, just as, um, his brain is dying, he, you know, he mentions that here. Um, I think this is a, a valid and powerful story to, um, to the end of his career. I agree. Jerry, one of the things we, uh, talk about is, accepting the story at face value or in a more abstract sense, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was such a great point. Mm -hmm. One of my problems with this was I couldn't help but do a comparison to an old Batman story from the 70s. It was Mm -hmm. called The House That Haunted Batman, and it was written by uh, Lynn Weenie Marr Wolfman. It was penciled by Neil Adams. It's a marvelous story. This Mm -hmm. uh, came out in Detective Comics number 408 back in 71. Uh, It was reprinted later in the 70s in Detective Comics number 477. Mm -hmm. And this is a story worth seeking out. And the only reason I bring it up is there's a sequence in this story played out by Neil Adams where Batman as in this story, what happened to the man of the tomorrow in the house that haunted Batman, there's a sequence where he sees his own funeral in progress mm-hmm. and he sees Robin standing over his casket and he sees Superman doing it. And Superman's basically saying, well, he wasn't that effective of a crime fighter. I had to do all the heavy lifting <laughs> in this, you know, and, and Batman's standing there as a ghost thinking, wait a minute, that's not true. But we, we see later on that this is basically a hallucination of sorts by uh, the villain, Dr. Zin Zin. And we, we find mm-hmm. that he, he, he gets out of this, he snaps out of this um, hallucination. And I just couldn't help but quite compare that because that's it's one of, for me, one of my personal favorite Batman stories. And I couldn't quite compare it to this. Is this literal? Is there, when is the uh, curtain going to be pulled back in this game and story, so to speak, mm-hmm. that we get the big reveal, if there is any. But, mm-hmm. It is, but it doesn't. It's not as quite the same. So I, I have yeah. to had. I, I can't help but bring up that comparison as to something that I had seen before in a Batman story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way Gaiman pulled it off was really masterful, and it was fun to play along as the reader as to who the identity of the woman was. And I confess, I did not get it until a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I, I should also mention. I think we've seen Batman see, talking to. Uh, spirits of his mom before i think it was mm-hmm. a detective comics 500 so this is uh something that necessarily didn't break new ground but it was still nonetheless uh, an effective way uh of pulling this off yeah and and gaiman doesn't pull any punches he you know finishes this story he he's not like and it was all a dream <laughs> yeah, yes, fine. yes you know he actually takes the story to a logical and conclusion and an interesting end where you know, Bruce is reborn in his mother's arms. And, um, you know, I wow. think it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he doesn't wake up in the Batcave and, you know, Alfred brings him some hot chocolate. So in terms of, you know, you're, you're revisiting, you're rethinking, you're doing a reread of this, you know, would you, how would you rate this? Would you recommend it to people? Do you think it's a must read? Sure. Yeah. I, I have to admit, I totally flipped because when this initially came out, I thought it was just an okay story. I reread it again, and I, I confess I was very, very hard on this when it initially came out because I just didn't think it packed the weight and was effectively as told as uh, Superman, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's not fair. This is a well-done story. The artwork by Kubert is gorgeous in places. You know, but I have to say, with Superman Man of Tomorrow, you had a classic Superman artist doing it, Kurt Swan, who is arguably, in some people's minds, a quote-unquote definitive Superman artist. Sure. Would you call Andy Kubert a definitive Batman artist by hmm. fans alike? 
Kubert is very talented, and by no means do I want to slight him, but I, I, I'm wondering, how would the story have played out if, say, Jim Aparo had drawn it? How would mm-hmm. it, Marshall Rogers, the late Marshall Rogers, if he had drawn it? Uh, Neil Adams, mm-hmm. still around? What would that sure. have been like? Uh, that 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 is so incredibly cruel for me to do that uh, mm-hmm. and, and put 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 that out there. And, but nonetheless, I, I can't help do that because my mind is telling me so. Uh, that said, this this aged much better than than I remembered, and I am so glad I got to reread this. Mm-hmm. I don't quite say it's a five out of five masterpiece, but as you mentioned, the points you bring up, this is sort of an abstract story. The emotional weight is there. There is story with heart here. There is story with gorgeous artwork here. This is a compelling story that makes you think, where you see people coming out this with all sides as their take. The little bit with Joe Till, Chill tending bar at this, yeah. and he's, he's, he's sort of in the background, and that's his place in this story. There are so many little nuances and subtleties here that mm-hmm. really are masterfully co- conveyed and woven with all of this. Uh, whereas back when this initially came out, I would have said this is a slightly above average story. I have to take my grade back and now say, yeah, this is, I initially was going to say a four, but upon even giving it more thought, I'm going to have to say this is a four out of five batarangs for me. Uh, and I would have to definitely put this in a must read category. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. I would, I would agree with all, with your comments. I think, uh, this is, is very rich. I think it's kind of a timeless story. Um, it, um, you know, shows the richness of the Batman universe history. Um, and I would rate this very highly myself. I would put this up at, you know, four and a half batarangs. I really enjoyed, um, the, the tale once I kind of got in the groove of it. I would say that this isn't, <clears throat> there are a lot of reasons why a story could be a must read, right? Like something important happens in continuity here. And that's not really the case in this story. That's an excellent point. Yeah. So, you know, but I do think, and also a lot of times we, we hammer some of our stories that, well, this isn't really for beginners. We can't really recommend this for beginners because of all the shout outs of the past and all the stuff you have to know. And I think that while in a normal story, that's valid. Um, you know, something you, that has a normal plot that you can't just pick it up and understand what's going on because you don't know who these three characters are and what the relationship is and it doesn't make any sense. So, but that's not the case here. This is, there's a lot going on and even a beginner that doesn't know really much about any of these characters, I think could also be inspired to want to learn more because of just the, you know, you can really feel the, gosh, 80 years of Batman history or whatever it's been um, in this story and that you're reading something that has quite a pedigree. And I think that all of the shout outs to, you know, you may not know the whole Joe Chill story if you're a beginner, but you know something is up. You know that there is, it's, it's almost like a tease to, to uh, inspire you to read more about um, Batman and his history. So I am going to say that I would say, and also because of the quality of this, that this is something that people really should read. I would say that this is a must read and definitely a recommend. Great. Wow. I really loved our conversation, Jerry. I can't yeah, thank you too. enough for what you brought to the table and talking with you about this because uh, there are so many points. I think you really hit the nail on the head with this one that uh, I had to stop and ponder and consider. And yeah, 
I am so glad we are we're on the same page and we came about it in a different way, but yeah. What a treat for the end of the year for us to look at. Definitely, definitely another uh, a good 2018, a good way to close out the year. Absolutely. Excellent. So, uh Chris, you do this. Not only this, this isn't the only podcast you do. You also do some work for the um, Backworld to Oracle podcast, don't you? Well, thanks very much, Jerry. Yeah, congrats to Stella and give her a big shout out for her ninth yeah. year uh, doing Backworld to Oracle, That's a right. podcast that I've been fortunate to be a part of. I think oh, for the past five years, about wow. or so. Yeah, I, I, rev- I got to review Batman 66 on the title. I've co hosted a few times on the show, nice. and it's been a joy and a treat uh, to do this uh, right now i'm reviewing batman 66 meets archie or is it archie beats batman 66 i'm not sure at this point, but it's, it's put out by archie comics the last issue is coming out very very shortly uh, it's been a fun ride and i'm so glad to uh, see batman 66 in comic book form out there mm-hmm. i also look at the nightwing title in a segment within a segment called nightwatch where mm-hmm. i look at it through a shipper perspective and But primarily right now what I'm doing over there is looking at the comic book title Batman Adventures, which was a Batman title based on the animated series mm. from the 1990s and the comic book of the same time period. And I thought those were some very underrated stories with uh, some excellent diamonds in the rough, if you will, for, for mm-hmm. Batman that uh, sort of over gets overlooked, in my opinion, because I think there was a great wealth of stories. And one could argue that was sort of like a definitive amalgam version of Batman uh, mm-hmm. back then, those tales right there. And you get a nice cross-section of the characters, not just dealing with Batman per se, but uh, uh, not, uh, Robin sometimes does some solo bits in there. And there's mm-hmm. Batgirl stories as well in there that I've also looked at. And it's been a lot of fun. And uh, every now and then I'm on Twitter at BT on Batbooks where you can find me. And sometimes I'll just tweet out stuff pretty much of nostalgia or comic book related things. Nice. Jerry, I know you're also a part of the BatmanUniverse.net where you're reviewing things, if I'm not mistaken. You're looking at two of my favorite characters of the Batman Universe, yeah. Batgirl and Catwoman, and you write some great reviews. Oh. Can listeners find you there? Thank you. Yes, I've been doing um, Batgirl and Catwoman reviews for, for a little while now. Both books are, are very, very good at the moment. So um, definitely encourage you to head over to the BatmanUniverse.net and check out uh, my reviews and the reviews of the whole team over there. There's some great, great content if you're a Batman fan. I also tweet out my weekly comics. I uh, talk about indie comics. Uh, I, I, t- I tweet about my adventures trying to make it through Dark Shadows. Um, and also live tweet horror movies at hashtag Spenguli on, uh, on Saturday nights at, at 8 p.m. Eastern. And you can find me out on Twitter at Professor Frenzy. And don't forget to check Chris and I out on the Professor Frenzy show. So this is a podcast where Chris and I talk about indie comics. So by the time this episode is aired, we will have released, what is it, 34 episodes of the Professor Frenzy show. Wow. Yeah. And we've, it's been a lot of fun. We've been having a great time. We've read some great, great comics. So check the show out. Search on iTunes for the Professor Frenzy show and you can find us there. Jerry, we were fortunate to get a couple of comments on our last episode where we talked about Batman Last Rights, and I'd like to share them with our listeners. We first heard from good friend Ian Miller at IBM Miller, and I want to give a shout-out to Ian because he does what a great year he's had with uh, all the contributions he's made to the Batman universe, especially with uh, the Batman uh, universe comic podcast, where Mm -hmm. I would direct listeners to go to with the uh, current reviews and takes on Batman titles over there. He's been very insightful, and I think his comments have really been spot on, and he always brings it. So Ian writes to us, 
manful work tying all these books together. I've read about half of them, and I don't really like them all that much. The Robin issue annoys me because I just don't buy the drug Tim uses. Smiley face emoji. Ah, yeah, that that was the last Tim Drake issue with all that uh, chaos going on there. However, that Alex Ross cover that you've shown in the thumbnail is amazing in all Mm. caps. Well, thank you so Mm -hmm. much, Ian. And we also heard from a good friend of ours, Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG, and continually uh, does a supports our show and, and we can't thank you enough for all the all the uh time you've put into just being being a great audience for us yeah. green lantern hg and thank yeah. you very very much thank green you. lantern hg chimes in with this comment already done listening to the podcast and this was about the time i came back into comics but mm. since i was focused on the blackest night storyline i passed on these titles mm-hmm. i wondered if i should have gotten them now i will consider your opinion on future purchases great episode guys thumbs up emoji and peace emoji hey thank thanks you. so much green lantern hg yeah it's it's really weird when we were covering this stuff because i think a lot of people were sort of in flux around 2008 you know i don't know if i was mm-hmm. you know, i think i kind of every other year i get jaded with the hobby and you know i sure. could is this the year i kind of cut back or quit or something and it's weird when people come and go with the hobby and just or this might have been when people entered or re-entered, and it's it's so weird when we're covering this time period. I think, especially yeah. uh, something sort of polarizing with, with mm-hmm. this particular storyline, which I think a lot of people at the time thought, "Well, Batman's going away, but you know he's coming back. Why are we sure. suffering through this torture, or what have you?" But yeah, <laughs> I, I can't thank you enough for those comments. Now we also had likes and retweets yeah. from our past episode on Twitter, and I'd like to acknowledge those folks. We heard from Rad Adventures at Rad underscore Adventures. Rad is a network of podcasts from Ruth and Darren focused on adventure stories, including Trekker Talk, Warlord Worlds, and Xenozoic Xenophiles. We heard from Robin Stevens at Robin031 Robin. Bob Rowland at Nick City Brewing. Hey, Bob. Hey, yeah. He also appears and a gal walks into a comic shop, and I think we're about to give them a shout-out in a little bit. Again, Ian Miller at IBM Miller. We also heard from You Haven't Heard This Music Podcast at YHHTMPC. Now, that's a fun and entertaining podcast that talks about lesser-known music by lesser-known artists. We heard from Batbeard at Anarchy underscore Eric. Again, Green Lantern HG, Green Lantern HG. We heard from Fahim Zaid at FXHXXM. We heard from The Bat Pod at PodBat. Great now, that's a Batman comic book podcast, of course, with uh, good friend Bill Beer at Gotham Night 13 and at Jovi Galvez 84. Fine, fine stuff. Good friend of our show, uh, Dave, that's Lava Hog at Lava Hog. You can find him at his fine uh, podcast, Selling Out at Selling Out Show. Mm-hmm. Randy the Comics Nerd at Randall Andrews 1. Uh-huh. We heard from Into the Weird. At Into the Weird. Now, that's a podcast and blog that celebrates the madness of Bronze Age Marvel. <laughs> oh, yes. That's run by Grant and Herman. And speaking yeah. of Herman, you can also find uh, Herman. Uh, long Box of Darkness at Dark Long Box. Now, yeah. uh, LOD, Long Box of Darkness, that's a podcast and blog about the horror comics. And it's a great job by Herman. Yeah. We heard from Griff at Real J. Griff. Alberto Ramirez, yes, thank you so much. Uh, longtime supporter of our show, thank you. And you can find Alberto Ramirez at Laredo Art 2018. He just makes some great artwork over there. Yes. We heard from uh, Jared Ray Webb at Holly Jolly, mm-hmm. and that's at Jared underscore Webb one. And let's see, I think that was about it. 
And I've, I've overlooked you. My sincerest and deepest apologies. <laughs> if I did overlook you, please let me on Twitter at BT on Bat Books or Jerry at Professor Frenzy, and we will be sure to mention you on the next show. Thanks, Chris. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us next time where Chris and I will cover Battle for the Cal. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. Bat Books. Bat Books. Bat Books. For Beginners. Bat Books. On Friday, I download the show. By Saturday, I find that I know. If I want to get the trade. I have Prime, so it's two days. By Monday, I'm reading.